0: Good afternoon and welcome to Women Lead Radio brought to you... Welcome to Women Leading the Way Radio Show where each time you'll hear from successful women CEOs, executives, and professionals where we'll discover how they do what they do to be successful in business. We'll be interviewing women who have overcome big challenges, women who have incredible stories of lessons learned in dealing with adversity. We'll even interview women who have started and grown successful organizations and women who are C-level executives with unique talents and positions. Our goal is to bring successful businesswomen together to share how they're leading the way in business today.
1: Good afternoon and welcome to Women Lead Radio, brought to you by Connected Women of Influence. I'm Mary Van Dorn, your host of Fighting Sex Trafficking and Sexual Exploitation. Our show topic today is what happens to the victims of sex trafficking after their rescue. So now my guest today is Michelle Birdquist, and she is our infamous (laughs) leader of Connected Women of Influence. And we decided that um, our regular guest had an emergency and wasn't able to be here, but we decided that she and I are going to have a conversation about this because I've done a lot of research on it, and I'm very much involved with Operation Underground Railroad, and one of their strong features is their aftercare program. So that's what we've decided to talk about and sort of answer a lot of questions between us and have some conversations that we feel as two women sitting across the table from one another might have, and see if we can come up with answers for you. I think looking from I the think- outside in, sorry, as a mom or an aunt or grandma, when you see the children being rescued, like your first inclination is, I just want to wipe their tears, I want to give them a hug, and I want to make sure they get home safe. But actually their wounds are so much deeper than that, and it's not something that just a tissue and a hug is going to fix.
2: So Mary, talk to me a little bit about what is you know, I mean, there's so many things. First of all, I just want to say thank you for making me Plan B today, but I am I just wanted to add a little humor to such a serious topic, and, you know, I know that, you know, had a fascinating, you know, guest that was coming on. Can you talk a little bit about Operation Underground, just because I know they were supposed to be on the show today? Like, what are they all about? And I know you're very involved with it.
1: Sure. So our guest we were hoping to have today, which we'll probably have on a later episode in further down the years, was Tyler Schwab, and he is a regional aftercare director for South and Central America. Operation Underground Railroad exists simply to rescue, save children from, sexual, from sex trafficking and sexual exploitation. That is why they exist. They, have, they do a number of op- underground you know, taking the name from Underground Railroad, you know, as, where they go in in disguises and they work with other governments across the world to go in and break up these sex trafficking rings to save the children that are being trafficked. Um, and they're, they've saved thousands and thousands and thousands. And they've been instrumental in having, I think, I'd have to look at it real quick here, but I think it's over 6,000 abusers, pedophiles, wow. traffickers that have been arrested. And every they, they say that every arrest of a pe- of a trafficker of sex more than 100 children. Even oh, though my those gosh. Are, well, the ones that, yeah, yeah. So you think of that, and it's like, okay, that's 7,000, 6,000. That's 600,000 kids that would have been affected just by those that have a been lot. arrested. That's not even
2: talking about the ones and that And those are been. just the ones that – those are the ones they see. You know, just so our listeners know and give them context, it's like, you know, what – how, how do they go find these children, you know, young adults? It's like, are they go and get, I mean, just talk about how does one come into the aftercare of the program? Like, are they yeah. in a situation where they've been tossed, you know, away from what's yeah. happening, or they go in, okay, talk about that, because mm-hmm. I have no idea what that's like, and I can't sure. imagine. I want our listeners to know. Sure.
1: So um, let's talk about domestically. A little bit because our last episode we talked to Matt who was the president of Operation Underground Railroad and we got a pretty good idea of what they do internationally. And internationally Mm -hmm. they're getting in there they're posing as men that want to purchase children et cetera and, and that's a different type of operation, right? Domestically here they don't go into operations but they support law enforcement and they they have supported over 400 law enforcement agencies in the United States here. They're in all 50 states. And when we talk about supporting them, what they do is they'll go in and provide technology, software, and one of my favorites is the canine dogs. And these are what they call ESD dogs, electronic uh, saving devices, electronic saving devices. And it can be a little USB drive, it can be a little tip, it can be a phone, but the dogs are trained to sniff out, there's a glue that's used on those drives and what have you, to hold the little chips in place. And the dogs are turning to sniff out the glue. So they can bring a dog into a house and they can search it in the minutes compared to hours, right? And the dogs will find something like 75% of the time they find something. And the key to that is once they find it, this is evidence that they can then prosecute the people that are trafficking or what have you. And domestically here in the United States, unfortunate to have to say, but we are the number one
2: consumer of sexual abuse materials. You might want to say that one more time because I think that's like just heart-stopping. Yeah. The United States
1: is the number one consumer of sexual abuse materials and what we used to call child pornography, right? But there's, there's more to it than that. But we are the number one consumers. When they go to operations in other parts of the world, whatever countries they're going to, the number of men coming, mostly men, coming to those countries. Most of them are coming from the United States. So here we figure if we can stop it here, kind of like in its infantile stage when it's just starting out, then it's going to have, we're going to save a lot of children just in that, right? The work that they do, they do a lot of work online where they're constantly online. They pose as young girls, young boys, et cetera. And then when when the pedophile or the, person that's looking to traffic the children, when they start talking to them, then they engage in those conversations. But they have now the software that they can follow these people. They also have technology now that when they get an encrypted line or they get encrypted devices, they can break into them and get, get a lot of information out of them where they didn't have before. But that's part of what the domestic division does here is supporting law enforcement. Wow. They also do a lot of training with them on how, how to capture these guys online, how to find them how to get in there and extract the criminals, right? Um, so that that's an important part of the work that's being done here. But now, to answer your question, so now we have, they track down the traffickers and then they, the, if, whether it's the police locally or even across the world, once they retrieve the victims and they're able to get them out safely, now aftercare starts. Because like I said earlier, you might want to just wipe, wipe their tears and give them a hug. But they have been hurt so deeply, depending on how long they've been in here. It doesn't matter if they've been in there for two weeks or some of them have been there three years, four years, five years. Um, to help them, yes, immediately they'll have whatever sort of physical help that they need, right? Any kind of physical trauma that they've experienced, they immediately get them so that they can give them any kind of therapy, and that therapy comes in a lot of different ways. It, can, it goes from what we think of as traditional therapy as sitting and talking with somebody, but they have a lot of types of group therapy. They go through art therapy. One of my favorites is equine therapy. Um, and many of the survivors will go through several different types of therapy because not one therapy works 100% for anybody. So many times
2: it takes a lot right. of different types. Um, another thing on, is... Mary, Mary. Mary.
0: Hold on mm-hmm. a second because mm-hmm. I want
2: to back up. So I know we're talking about a lot, and I think this is a lot for our um, audience to digest. But when these, you know, victims come out of trafficking and all that's happened with them, it's like what is kind of the – what is their state? You know, I mean, are they just quiet and, like, they don't talk to anybody? Is are like, kind of a norm about any of these young individuals on victims and how they – like what state they're in when they come out of this? I know I'm probably asking a weird question, but just, you know, you said there's so many different types of therapies, but what, what is kind of the, is there any norm of how they come out when they actually get the victims?
1: Yeah, I haven't been there to meet the victims coming out. <laughs> I, I'm, I'd be like just grabbing everyone and giving them hugs, right? But watching some of the videos that they, that have been put out by Operation Underground Railroad and other organizations that help, um, a, I think it varies a lot with them. It depends on their age. It depends on what they've been through. Uh, even if you watch the movie Sound of Freedom, those children, there was sort of a, it looked like there was a unity between them. And they were very receptive to the women that were there to greet them as they, you know, as they were freed. But then they, So all of them go through an assessment and you would think that some of them can just go home. The problem is with some of the younger ones, uh, they don't know where home is. You know, some of them on the international level have been moved from their country. It's a small village, and they're moved 300 miles away or even to another country. So they don't even know where they are. They don't know where their little village is. So sometimes they can't even no. find their parents. So then they're trying to put them into sort of like an orphanage. That, that aftercare is a lot deeper, right? Sometimes right. They don't, wow. Sometimes they don't send them back to the family because in some of these poorer countries, the family has sold them into trafficking. So if that's the case, again, it's a different type of care that they need. Domestically here, sometimes they're grabbed as runaways. Sometimes they're lured away by traffickers so that they've been groomed. And those people, a lot of times, they don't want to talk about it when they're first brought in, right? And, and it takes a lot of care to help them get through that, you know, to where they are comfortable talking about it. Um, they're also, a lot of them are, have been out of school for years. So they have to help them get back into the, back in their education environment, help them, whether it's getting a GED or getting a high school degree, and then also helping them to develop skills so that they can support themselves, because some of them have been in this for a long time, and it's the only thing they know. So, yes, you can get them out of there, but then how are they going to support themselves? They don't know what else to do, right? Yeah. So it's really important that they're taught more skills so that they can make a life for themselves.
2: And, you know, I know we need to take a quick commercial break, but when we come back, because I'm asking you, right, turn the tables, like, mm-hmm. I, I, I'd i really mm-hmm. like to know if you know of any success stories of, like, someone, not who, obviously, but, like, what are some of the success stories that these individuals um, kind of have as outcomes? Like, do they get back to kind of normally functioning in society, or is it... You know, and I know everyone's different, but I'd love to hear a success story. So why don't we take a quick commercial break, and I'll let you take that. So sure. who are we recognizing today, Mary? We are going to recognize one of our sponsors, partners.
1: Women Lead Radio is brought to you by today by Connected Women of Influence and our partner, National University. National University is proud to be one of the largest profit non—I'm sorry—largest private nonprofit universities. They were founded in 1971. National University's mission is to provide accessible, achievable, higher education to adult learners. Today, National University educates students from across the United States and around the globe with over 170,000 alumni worldwide. Thank you for your support, National University, and to all our sponsors and partners. And now, back to our show. <laughs>
2: and that would be you. Um, so so coming that would back be me. To, you know, Yes, with all these things that, you know, the therapy that they give these individuals, which I I do also want to kind of chat a little bit later just about what our listening audience can do and support, right? I mean, I think none of us have any Mm -hmm. idea how prevalent this is, and so there's that. But talk a little bit about what are some of the really positive outcomes that come out of these therapies and, you know, kind of aftercare, as you call it, for these individuals.
1: Um, well, I, I could tell you one fun story that I think is pretty cool. There was a gal, Samantha, and she was very young. She was like
0: 12, mm-hmm.
1: and she was rescued. When it came time to put the traffickers on the stand, they asked her if she would be willing to testify, and she was. She had, When she got on the stand, she told a lot of information about who, had, who was holding her, she also identified some people that they hadn't identified yet. And this was something that just hadn't come out initially with her. She just wasn't ready to disclose it. But once she did, they were able to make more arrests. I think they arrested like three more guys. And she was able to give them information so that three more girls were rescued, that they didn't know where they were, but they even were, you know, being trafficked. Oh, wow. and, I, and I think wow. the three people that she had that got rescued, they were like 9, 12, and 14 or something. Like she was a baby next to all, to all of them. So she had the courage. And I, 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 as a, a young girl, I don't know where she pulled that courage from, but I think she just felt so safe. Once she knew that she wasn't going back and they weren't going to be able to touch her anymore, she was able to help them. And even I think if you see the sound of freedom, um, they rescue a little boy. And then he wants them to go back for his sister. So that, when I said earlier, oh. I think that there's, there's like a bond between the survivors. And the survivors can be really strong. Um, I recently saw um, another interview with five survivors, and they were all domestically here in the United States, had been kidnapped, and one had been lured by her uh, boyfriend, had been groomed, and then he got her to move away from her family, and then he started to traffic her. Um, but it was really impressive to see how strong these women were, and all of them wanting to fight against traffickers and, and to help protect other women. And it's not just women; boys get mm-hmm. trafficked too. You know, right? Um, right. I saw, I, I saw, domestically, a story. It was actually a news story. The police were using the tools that O-U-R provides to the police department's technology and software, what have you. And they had picked up on a a man that was mm, selling membership so that you could watch videos, right? And they're waiting for him to go back online. They kind of had an idea of what neighborhood he lived in and they went in. And when he came back up, they identified it right away. So they moved in They were right there and they were able, he was selling his videos and there were live videos and, um, they were able to get a warrant, and they went in to arrest him. He was in the bedroom with his child, and his wife was watching TV, and she had no clue what was going on, no clue. Oh, my God. And the child was 18 days old. Oh, my so God. That's the like testament of the software. That's, you know, and when we look at it and we say, well, that somebody once said the hard thing about a pedophile or a sex trafficker is You know, they don't have any outward signs for Mm us to know who they are. A drug addict, an alcoholic, you know, somebody like that, you can recognize them a lot of times. You can tell that they're, you know, they're having problems, but this, you don't identify them so easy.
2: But are there things Uh, that women, you know, specifically Mm -hmm. our audience can do to be more aware, more informed, more sensitive, you know, spidey sense, you know, to kind of, I mean, is there a way to kind of be more proactive about identifying some of these, you know, again, pedophiles, whatever you call them, traffickers? Is there a way to look for that? Like what are some things that Operation Underground has suggested? Do they have that?
1: Sure. On their website, they have a whole bunch of information for parents. And um, as you listen to some interviews of survivors, they'll tell you a lot of times there's going to – if your child is being groomed and you don't know it yet, you're going to – keep an eye open for things first of all a lot of personality changes and people often will think she's going through puberty or it's just that part of being a teenager just look a little closer number one they say absolutely have access to their phones their passwords if they have an app you have an app i mean there's they can't have anything that you can't see because they have Mm -hmm. those conversations um you know they say if they have a a Facebook account or what have you, any social media account that they have, Snapchat or what have you. And if they don't have a ton, hundreds of friends on there, if they have like seven friends, there probably is another account that you don't know about. If there's seven friends and there's just Ah. a little bit of conversation, probably another account. So that's why you have to have access to their phone see, and their password. There's no secrets there. Um, If you see that your child is has received a gift, and they say it's from a certain friend or a friend's parents or whatever. If you see multiple gifts coming in or it's some new clothes that you didn't buy for them, they're, they're being groomed. I mean, there's a good chance that somebody is buying this stuff for them to
2: groom them um, if they're going out, if they have is new that, friends that you haven't met. Is that typically that the t- process, is that they literally groom them to be able to traffic <laughs> them, or they do? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I they look for so, children you know, that feel, are...
1: Yeah, no, they look ahead. for they look for children or young adults, even young people that are either in a broken home often or there's trouble in the home, or they they themselves are having trouble. Maybe they're being bullied at school or what have you. So they find them online in some sort of a chat spot and they start talking to them. And sometimes they will let them know that they're a little bit older. They won't say that they're 35 years old. They might say that they're 19. But they start talking to them as a friend. They befriend them. They start to be, they're empathetic to to what they're, so they're somebody that listens to them. And then they slowly start to, you know, this is what my best friends do. They send me this picture or what have you. Then once they get them sending pictures, et cetera, then it's like, I don't think I should do this anymore. Well, if you don't, I'm going to show them to your mom. Okay, now. Or sometimes they'll say, well, or I'll I'll do something with your little sister or what have you. So they they learn what their soft spots are and grooming can take they can i've heard stories of them grooming kids for a year before they actually lure them away Jeez. but keep in mind wow. they're luring hundreds you know not hundreds they're luring a lot of kids at the same time it's not their only focus you know
2: right well and i think you know yeah. you've gotten so into this and it's like and i again unaware and no idea i mean you have an idea but you don't have the idea of how how huge this is And I'm curious in your journey with, you know, with this so far, because you're part of Operation Underground Railroad, I believe, it's like what's been the most surprising thing that you've learned along this journey and how absolutely massive and out of control it is, even though there are organizations like Operation Underground Railroad and some of these others with law enforcement that are trying to, you know, combat the the horrible issue. But what's been the most surprising thing that you've, you know, kind of learned from all this as you've been involved?
1: Well, a lot of times people say that, you know, we live in like I live in Orange County, California, and they'll say, "Oh, you're you live in a little bubble. Nothing ever, you know, nothing goes wrong in your town and you don't have to worry about a lot of things that the rest of the world worries about." And that, that is true. We don't worry about we don't have the same concerns that a lot of other people have but we do we do have family in other parts of the world other parts of the state and the country so that we are it does affect us as well and there's a little different culture here i heard a story the other day about in orange county here one of the ways that the traffickers are grooming the kids here is because there's a lot of quote online influencers so they see people that are posting I'm going to say young girls, that are posting, let's say in their teens, they're posting things online because they want to be cool and they're in, let's just say, Laguna Beach, Newport Beach, and this is what we're doing. And then these guys come along and say, hey, I can help you get 10,000 followers. Just do this. And then they tell them little things. Well, these guys load up 10,000 followers. You can get those for $5, right? And so then the teen thinks, oh, my gosh, you are helping me to get more followers, right? Right. And then they convince right. them, okay, we're not going to put this online, but I want you to model your zucchini, but then don't put your top on because we're going to put little red daisies and we're going to try it with some black lightning bolts or whatever. Well, now they have pictures. So now, now there's trouble. Now, now, then, and mm-hmm. Because they know, they know these kids, they find out from the kids that the parents have money. Then they start getting the kids to get money from the parents so that they don't tell their parents about it. And and that's on a little tiny scale, but that that girl is still being exploited, and this is she's still going to have that fear for all of her life that this is going to come out, and we go back to the domestic mm-hmm. help, and and this is the type of stuff that then they can trace down by having the girl's phone.
2: Again, if the parents. So are what's the biggest thing, thing? And this is, I mean, just horribly fascinating. I mean, I that's I don't can't think of the right word, fascinating, but yeah. horrific. I mean, what what is one thing that maybe you think is the most important to share with our listeners about you know sex trafficking and sexual exploitation that you want our listeners to know and to really get their attention um,
1: number one for your kids definitely know what they're doing online on their beyond their phones be, and having conversations with them. And, you know, I grew up, my dad was a police officer, and he used to groom me <laughs> in a different way, but he told me all the time since I was knee-high to a grasshopper, he'd say, if anybody grabs you. And in those days, we used to worry about being kidnapped just to be ransomed, right? That's that's what we thought. And that's probably most of what it was at that time. So I wasn't really on threat, but he didn't care. He told me all the time, you make noise, you scream, you fight, you do this. And, oh, I mean, he told me that once a month, right? And I will tell you, yeah. when I was a teenager, and boys tried to have their way with me, that was ingrained in me, man. I thought, I kicked, I <laughs> made noise, and they were like, yeah. no, you're, 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 you know, and it really, it helped me. Um, another thing that I've heard from the survivors talking, the, the domestic survivors, the ones here in this country, they'll talk about to be groomed. When you're talking to your young children, give them, the right biological names for their private parts. Call it a penis, call it a vagina, because that can stop a a pedophile when they're talking to them and say, you can't go near my, you can't touch my vagina. Because then all of a sudden it's like, whoa, this isn't an uninformed kid. And it kind of puts this little hold in there and they think, "Mm, there's conversations here that that are different, right? And so when we're talking to our children, we use real words. And then, and then they don't sound like an, a, such a baby when they're confronted. And also, then I'll when somebody there. tries to use a cute name on them, it's like, oh, that's not right. You're weird, right? So, uh, but
0: being wow. aware, and, um,
1: um, even older, you know, and it, it doesn't matter how old you are. Even women or men, when people are offering you things that doesn't seem right, and have the confidence in yourself to know that. I I don't have to say yes. If I if I am uncomfortable, follow your gut 100%. 100%. Do you because find if
2: that innocent, they are doing... Oh go, oh, go ahead.
1: I said if there's oh, no I was say harm you, intended, <laughs> I'm sorry. if there's no harm intended, they won't be insulted and they'll be patient or they'll talk things out with you or what have you but if they're going to be insistent or or make you feel guilty or bad then that is just not good just walk away walk away as early as you can
2: my gosh i know you could go on for hours on this like you know the one question that too i have left for you because we only got a couple of minutes left and i you know like i said you turned the tables on me today and i'm like okay i will i will (laughs) ask questions and i you know again this is just i had no idea i had no idea now i know and now it's like i want to see change but you know what's what's something you hope our listeners will do to take action on as a result of hearing, you know, what this is and how, how absolutely, you know, national global it is, but what can our listeners do that might be one step, one action, one, one piece of support?
1: Um, I would say let let's go to OUR org. There's a, Ton of information there. There's talk about their aftercare program. They have a survivor advisory board where they bring in different members to show their expertise, talent, insights, and that they can help work this. And they also work, like I, I mentioned, that Tyler is a regional aftercare director for South America and Central America. I, they have a bunch of them. I think it's all total. I think they're directors alone, there's probably at least five of them, and then they have the, their teams under that, and they are constantly collaborating. When they take some – when they save some victims in foreign countries, they don't bring them all back here, but they have collaborated with institutions in those areas that they have vetted out to make sure that they're legit, that they're not going to turn around and sell the children after that, but that they, and then they help to support our funds through OUR, help to support those orphanages and aftercare programs in foreign countries. So supporting that is huge and you can do that. You can donate at OUR. And also most important, just be aware and keep the conversations open with your children. It doesn't matter if they're four or if they're 14. It's so important to keep that conversation
2: open. Or earlier from what you said. Yeah, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. I do know we've got the Operation Underground Railroad website um, URL. It's on our show page. So, again, that's mm-hmm. powerrescue.org, and that's O-U-R rescue.org. So please take a look at that website for Operation Underground Railroad. I, in our last literal minute kind of left, it's like what's something that you want to share that I haven't asked you. Cause again, this was pretty quick and us turning things around, but you're very passionate. I, again, thank you for just bringing this to our community um, about what's going on and how we can maybe make one tiny, small difference, which is how a ripple effect starts. But what's one thing you still, you want to wrap up and share with all of our listeners that I didn't ask you, which I'm sure are many things <laughs> <What's one? laughs> to wrap no. up.
1: There's a, there's a lot of ways that you can bring it into your community to make them your community more aware. I know we're having a fundraiser in September 22nd at a studio, what is it, Studio Cycle. It's a cycle place, you know, in Corona de Mar, and they're going oh, yeah. to have a ride that night. Yeah, they're going to have a ride raising money and awareness So it'll be fun. It's it's going to be quite an event. It's on September 22nd. But if you go to OURrescue.org, they have events, and you'll be able to find events in your neighborhood. And you can do a fundraiser. And you can do it. You could add them as one of the beneficiaries, nonprofits benefiting from a run if you're doing it. Or it doesn't matter. It can be a birthday on Facebook or what have you. But just it helps to get the awareness out there. That's the way we can help protect each other.
2: I love it. I mean, I do think mama bears and women can really – Really be the lynchpin oh. on on making a difference, right? That's why we want to recognize this on Women Lead Radio. And why we're so excited to have this show series. So, all right, my dear, give us you know something that's like positive or uplifting as we wrap up the show, and I'll let you close us out and just thank you again for bringing this to our attention, Mary. Well, I'm super pumped about all the people that I have spoken to that are
1: starting to hold the events, that are starting to pay attention to this, that didn't pay, that didn't even know about it before, because as we unite like that, and we even if it's just having conversations, we are going to take it down. Like you said, mama bears, grandma bears, there is nothing that can get in our way when we set our mind to it. Do not step in between me and my kid, because you're done. Um, But I. I really appreciate the listeners here, and I look forward to our next episode. And I really want to thank you, Michelle, for stepping in to be my, my co-host on this. So it's very special to me that you were able to do that with me. Um, after our show, you can listen to Women Lead Radio on all subscription podcasts, specifically Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. It's been my sincere pleasure to be your host today. Thank you for listening, and have a great week.